Alex, it's work, 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 work. That's right. We're talking work this episode. This is our episode about work ethic. This is Alex from Los Angeles. And this is Karen from San Francisco. Welcome to Movies That Shaped Us. We're two longtime friends who grew up on opposite ends of the globe with very different backgrounds, but we're both shaped and are still being shaped by the movies we see and love. In each episode, we'll cover a topic around important people, places, events, moments in our lives, and then explore it to three of our favorite films. So today, like Alex, you mentioned, we're talking about movies that shaped our work ethic. So tell us how you thought about this theme and and this episode, really. Yeah, this was a very a fun one to sort of think about. And and just to remind listeners, actually, go all the way back to our very first episode was also about work as well. That was our work experiences and how the movies influence our career choices and mm-hmm. different uh, experiences we've had in the workplace. This episode is more around work or is around work ethic, which is, which is you know, I was thinking about this a lot. It's sort of what motivates you to work. Why why do you work hard? Why do you focus on on your work? And I do believe uh, that work ethic can be a very positive thing. Uh, I do separate those in my mind from like workaholism, which is just working for the sake of working. And I was thinking a lot about, you know, what motivates me to when I'm on a project at, at work and I'm extra interested in working. I think about it all the time, like even take some time, you know, not that I'm asked to, but on the weekends to continue to work on it. Like, why do I do those sorts of things with some projects and I don't with others? And just thinking back on specific jobs I've had in the past and what made me really want to want to do the work and what was rewarding in that work was uh, how I sort of classify work ethic. And a lot of the movies that I'm talking about today, either I watched them before, really started working a lot, and it helped un- me understand what work could mean to me when I eventually would get a job. Or I'm, you know, as I get different jobs and just think about my career at various points, you know, really movies have really influenced how, what motivates me and what motivates me to want to work and the satisfaction that I get out of it, which is how I was thinking about work ethic versus something like workaholism or in kind of a negative way. What about you? How did you approach this? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, to me, work ethic is about sort of how do you show up at work really and what do you strive for? So right. the, the way I was thinking about was that what are the things that I value mm-hmm. as like markers of, you know, a good work ethic that's personal to me, what I show up with, like I said, but also I think some of this is aspirational too. Like mm. the elements that I will touch on, these are things that I value. It doesn't mean I've aced all of them. So, mm-hmm. you know, to me, that's the other thing here is that this is an ongoing thing, you know, a work ethic can be fine-tuned and honed and even change meaning as you grow older and the kind of work you do. So yeah, that's what I want to cover through my list. Um, I don't think any of these movies are movies that I watched before I started working. Mm. I don't think I was looking at movies uh, with that lens, perhaps. So these are all movies that I watched, you know, once I was working, because I think I needed some level of practical experience and engagement to then watch movies and say, oh, this actually resonates with the Mm. way I think about things, or actually I'm doing it wrong. This is what it should be. Because when you see people really soaring and finding that level of meaning and such, there's Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is what it's about. So let me take that. So I think movies have been pretty instrumental in sort of shaping and also helping me cope with my own stuff, you know, to Mm -hmm. show up better, like I said. Yeah, no, no, that's that's super interesting. I can't wait to to jump into this. So why don't we get to work then and start yeah. off with your third movie that shaped your work ethic? 
All right. So my number three movie that shaped my work ethic is Bridge of Spies from 2015, directed by up-and-comer Steven Spielberg, starring another up-and-comer Tom Hanks and the legend Mark Rylance, <laughs> Helen Alda, Amy Ryan, <laughs> a few other folks. Quick logline on this. During the Cold War, an American lawyer is recruited to defend an arrested Soviet spy in court and then help the CIA facilitate an exchange of the spy for the Soviet-captured American U-2 spy plane pilot Francis Gary Powers. So I put this movie on my list because to me, this movie exemplifies just the empathy and dignity and decency that you show up with or you should be showing up with when you work with people. And I think Tom Hanks's characters, Donovan sort of is what exemplifies that. Like he's mm-hmm. basically put to run this trial for the Soviet spy and everybody around him, including his own family is all about, yeah, this is a, you know, check the box thing just so we can show everybody that this person got a free trial, but we've already made up our mind that this person is a spy and should basically be treated horribly. And the decision is already made. So the trial is of no meaning, but this guy, Donovan, Tom Hanks's character is all about number one, about the books and the rules. Like it's Mm -hmm. to him, it's all about that. Mm -hmm. Number two, he takes his job very seriously. Like he, you have to show up and do the best no matter what. And I think that's what requires like a, an incredible amount of just decency and commitment mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the work you do, but also a great deal of empathy, you know, like this is a time of cold war, you know, right. Right. It's hard to even imagine. Like, I can't point fingers at the other people uh, other than Tom Hanks's character in the movie because the whole world is totally succumbed by what is happening. So, right, right. to stand up against that and almost have extend like an empathetic arm to understand who this person is as a human mm-hmm. and then go about your business and kind of put your own life in danger to a great degree. Right. That takes a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. So that's why this movie is on my list. And the last thing I'll mention is the tact of negotiation, which oh. I am not very good at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a masterclass in that as well. Like, how do you negotiate peacefully, calmly, mm-hmm. with clarity, with authority, without hoodwinking anybody, decency, dignity? It's just a masterclass at that too. So yeah, that's why this movie is on my list. Had you watched this before? And if so, what did you make of it? Yeah, I'd seen it in the theater. I see all the Spielberg films yeah. when when they come out. I actually hadn't seen it since then, so it was a nice to to revisit mm. it. I, I enjoyed the movie when I when I saw it, and uh, you know, think it's a sort of solid down the road, like middle kind of tier Spielberg. It was really interesting too, like thinking about it through this work ethic lens for this podcast. I actually really you know enjoyed that mindset when I when I approached the film. I think yeah, Tom Hanks's character there's sort of an ideal that he is is upholding in, for himself of like what he believes is you know the, what what he actually believes it is the law, and that mm-hmm. is what his ultimate goal is like adhering to that law, that institution, and doing whatever he can, even it. You know, his not only putting himself in harm, but, you know, there's a scene in the movie, even though this didn't happen in real life, where his family becomes under attack, where someone's Mm -hmm. shooting into his house. So he's he's putting into jeopardy people he cares about himself, his career, all these things for, in his view, the right reason to give this this gentleman a fair trial as necessitated by 
the laws of the United States. And then when he has to go over to um, East Germany, negotiate in, in good faith. It's always in good faith because that is what is what is driving him. It was actually interesting thinking about this with work ethic. I was starting to see this as a, a movie that there's kind of like three different people that you can classify as people with jobs, right? There's Tom Hanks, whose job is, is a lawyer, but his, his, his goal is he wants to uphold these institutions. And that is what drives him. And then we have the spy whose job is a spy. And he is breaking the rules because you have to as a spy. But what motivates him is his ideals. Like he does believe mm -hmm. this is right. He believes, you know, his he should go to the United States and try to recruit other communists because he believes in, you know, the tenets of communism. And that's what he holds dear. And he is very good at his job. Like he doesn't rat anyone out. He's super calm when he's caught getting interrogated. Like he's like, hey, look, like, you know, I'm I'm not in the same way that Tom Hanks is. He's not under pressure for anything because he has something that he holds dear to himself, which is, you know, the communist ideals and way of life. And then you have Gary Powers, who is this soldier who gets shot down over Russia spying on the Soviets, who I think is a total coward. Like he is. They, there's a whole scene where, look, if you get caught, you have to kill yourself. And he doesn't do that. And he fails at his mission. He gets caught. He potentially divulges information like he does everything wrong. And sort of I, I was viewing that scene, especially where there was a great scene where it's like a juxtaposition between Tom Hanks talking about giving some speech about, oh, we can't we can't be cowardice against Gary Powers getting all these like this. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. And then when he's put in any moment of crisis or test, he fails on every every level. And uh, is, you know, in my mind, in a way, you could argue a traitor because he did not take that cyanide pill as he was supposed to do. He let the plane get in the hands of the Soviets. All these things went wrong. The movie, when I was viewing it through this lens, is almost a juxtaposition between these three types of you know, work ethic. And one of the people completely uh, didn't really much have much of anyone, anyone at all. Like, you just got a sense he was this himbo guy. He looked like a good looking guy. He didn't really do this for any sense of country or else he would have taken that cyanide pill or any larger ideals like um, the the spy that was caught, Mark Rollins' character, who was very calm and wasn't afraid and because he believed in his ideals. I just thought that was really interesting. I never had viewed the film like that before until, until viewing it through this work ethic lens. I don't know if that came across to mm. you when you were looking at it. Um, sort of, but not entirely. Like, I don't really view Mike Rallens' character, the spy, as sort of upholding to, like, what's his driving force is essentially being communist ideals. Maybe, because yeah. yeah. he's doing it, but it's not really referenced in the movie at all. Like, the only thing I could really kind of latch onto was that he's doing this to protect his family and sort of got kind of stuck in this to do that. Mm -hmm. He's very good at it, but I don't think he has any emotional attachment to the work that he's doing. He's not there for, you know, the victory of this of the communist rule or what have you. Like he's not elated to go back, you know, when he's finally back there. So so I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of those principles, but to me he his work ethic is he's very good at it, but he's detached. And he's doing it for a totally different reason. The Gary Powers part is interesting. Now when you say it, I, I guess one could look at it from that point of view. But see, that's the thing. Like to me, what Tom Hanks represents is it doesn't matter if you're a coward or no. It doesn't matter if you're on the opposite side of enemy lines and doing what you're doing. Ultimately, we're all just people. And that's the message I always take away from this, that we're often at work saddled to work with people who are opposite in thinking and approach mm -hmm. from us people that are quite difficult to work with and maybe i'm difficult to work with for them because <laughs> based on you know how they approach things and ultimately you can't get all that get in the way because mm -hmm. number one you have to i think abide by the rule book in this movie it's the law 
Mm-hmm. In a case of a work situation, it's, you know, what are our goals? What are we striving for? What is mm-hmm. the mission of the company? And then you have to really talk through as humans and figure out, okay, how do we problem solve and how we how do we get there? And in that process, sort of look at each other with decency and compassion. And it doesn't mean you'll always agree, right? but you uphold to those values, essentially. I think that's what the movie to me is about. But yeah, it is very interesting that the work ethic of these three men, but also all the other people, you know, Alan Anla's character, all the people that Tom Hanks meets in Berlin, like they're all sort of striving for their own causes and their own, they have their own ways of working. So it's Mm -hmm. a very interesting lens, like you said, to kind of look at every character as to what is their work ethic. Right. And what motivates them. What motivates them. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe as someone who's personally doesn't like rules and doesn't believe in them necessarily, like the Eh. Tom Hanks mindset of just like the liberal worship of institutions is something I don't give a lot of credence to. I personally, I'm more respectful of the people that just have values and ideals separate from institutions. Like you get a sense that if if Tom Hanks wouldn't break the law to do something he felt was right, he just believes the law is right and he will enforce the law because he believes it's right. I'm not, yeah, I don't really get I a lot of respect really, to the to those people yeah. as much as I do people that are like, look, I the law is the law. But if I'm not believing in it, like, again, what Mark Rylance is doing, which he is breaking the law, like spies are are illegal. Like he's an unregistered Soviet agent in the United States. So he you know, he's, obviously, the United States is going to arrest him. But uh, I know I'd get the sense that he's do- if he's doing that and he wasn't um, I'm talking about Mike Rylance's character here, who's the spy. If he wasn't divulging that information, maybe this is me reading too much into it. Like, I would assume he- there's something higher that he's uh, that is motivating him again in comparison with Gary Powers, who does everything wrong. Clearly, there isn't anything higher power than motivating him than just his own self-survival. Like he caring just about his own like he's very selfish in that in that act instead of the selfless soldier that he was told to be during all those um training montage training montage essentially where they're giving him the sign up pill and they're telling him to do this you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do this and he all of that stuff happens to him and then they have to go and you know obviously bring him back and then of course you know in the we have to say he's a hero and all these things and you know this was a real person so that's exactly what you know what happened before he died in a in a crash i think maybe like 20 years after this a helicopter crash Mm -hmm. but um but you know if you look at it on paper it's like well this should have should have killed himself so he didn't, his motivations were selfish, I guess is what I should say. And I, I think I respect both of Tom Hanks's motivations of respect to the rules and where I viewed Mark Rylance of of respect for his own, you know, ideals and what he he felt was right, even if others didn't. I think uh, I just respect those types of motivations more than a selfish one, which I had never looked at this movie like that before. And I actually it was, I found it more interesting, actually, this work ethic lens. So I love that you brought this one to the podcast for this reason than I remembered when I first saw it, you know, when it was in theaters five, six years ago. But yeah. it's it's a great it's a great film. I think Tom Hanks does his Tom Hanks job of playing a fantastic everyday man with a set of ideals. And this is Mark Rylance's breakout role. And I, I think he did a great job in this, though. Now, having seen him do a lot of similar things since then, it, it is not as impactful as it was when I first saw this. Like Mark Rylance almost stole the movie for me. And now I'm like, oh, yeah. it's his thing that he does. And he did it after this. But I, I do. I do enjoy this film for sure, especially through this lens. I thought it was super interesting. Yeah. Now, I loved it when I saw it the first yeah. time. And I've actually watched it many times since. Oh, cool. I just... I, I to me this is not a mid-tier Spielberg movie. It's actually over time I think this movie will only grow in estimation. Mm. Obviously, all the departments, like all Spielberg movies, are you know were, are, are ten on ten. Mm-hmm. But 
I think there is some, I don't know, deeper soulfulness to this movie mm. in its quietness and its mm -hmm. boldness and and a movie that can easily become very showy, you know, with like big monologues about yes. patriotism and work mm -hmm. and what have you. But it's actually very quiet. It's sort of, it lets, it just, it lets these people and their predicament and their interactions do the talking, you yes. know? Yes. None of this is spelled out for you. Tom Hanks doesn't have a monologue about that. I will stand by Correct. the rules and do the right thing. No, he just does it, you know? Mm -hmm. This humanity and all of that, which is kind of amazing. And just like the little, you know, human touches of he's in Berlin, he gets his coat stolen. So he has a cold and right, right, right. that's sort of carrying on. Or when he comes back after this amazing, heroic, life affirming and life changing journey, he just falls flat on the bed, you know, the ending. Um, yeah, I like that too a lot. Is, yeah. And yeah. it's just just like normal human things, which are kind of amazing in this movie. And I have to give a shout out to Charmaine's because I think it's so easy, like you said, to just take this for granted, right? Yeah, that, oh, yeah. it's Charmaine's being Charmaine's again. But this performance is so difficult, I think. I don't think anybody else can pull this off because... Agreed. You know, you would sort of be like, oh, why are you doing this? Like, you know, but there's... Because it's not just about the rule book. I would not reduce it to that. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a part of it. Maybe that's priority number five, I think, uh, the way I read it. To me, this is more about just human decency. And who else better than Tom Hanks to kind of portray that on screen, I think, and do it credibly? Because it's not about the rules. They don't sustain, actually. You know, you have to look the person in the eye and see. And when he, the friendship sort of within quotes that Rylance and Tom Hanks develop, yeah. form in the movie, that's where the meat is at, right? It's not about the rules. It's about how sort of unfettered Rylance is in this situation. Like he's not letting go of his humanity and decency either. Like he could be, you know, up to all sorts of shenanigans and causing right. chaos and what have you. No, except he's like, totally calm and they're both very good at their jobs and that's what bonds them i think that's the other thing that you at work we meet people who are very different from us but you can appreciate somebody who's good at what they do right provided right. they're approaching it with decency and dignity and you can appreciate that you can just bond with them on that aspect so i i love that piece as well um so yeah, it's I almost like a like a coworker relationship that's really exactly that's true i mean they're they're only yeah they're they're bonding over the work essentially of this negotiation and, and the trial and everything like that. And that there's nothing beyond that, but there is a little bit too. And that's, I feel like that definitely happens with, uh, with people that you're only like your work comrades. And I will say when I, when I said Tom Hanks is doing his, you know, his Tom Hanks thing, it wasn't meant to be like a dig in him. I think you're <laughs> right. No one else could have done this part. And that's what Tom Hanks is so good at being able to do this thing and bring this everyman quality to this, this character, which, yeah. you know, we, we had an episode on, uh, historical figures and things. And this movie is not accurate in that sense. And this right. person was a CIA, you know, CIA guy for a while and did all these things. So he wasn't really an everyday man. I think they play that part up a lot and casting Tom Hanks does that too. But I think from what the movie's trying to say, they needed to have him be a, just this humble insurance guy instead of someone who was there at the CIA's founding and did all this legal work with the Nuremberg trials. Like the reason why he was picked wasn't because he was just, a normal guy, but I think Tom right. Hanks normal guy qualities you need for this movie. And another thing I love about that ending scene too, when he comes back um, and just sort of like 
collapses on the bed and he's tired. And then also that, that scene at the, in the train in the end that he's, mm-hmm. he's not doing any of this for any fame or recognition at yeah. all from anyone else. Like, it's not like he's coming back. He's like, Oh, look at all this stuff. Yay. Look what I did. Wife and kids. This is, I'm I'm a hero or wants the adoration on the train. When that woman looks over to him, just acknowledges him. Mm-hmm. That's he he's doing it for himself and mm-hmm. for these, again, this institution and these, you know, the rules and ideals that he has. And that also is an honorable thing too. He's not trying to get credit. He's not trying to get a promotion. He's not trying to yeah, it's not parlay this into anything. He's doing it because he believes it's the right thing to do. And that's, that's, that's what it, it is. More than the rule book, it's the right thing to do. It's the human thing to do. And it doesn't, I mean, yeah, sure, that person was a coward. You can call him that. But he's also just a child on a, you know, that's how I look at hey, it. He signed up know? for it. He could have quit at any time. I, I give Diggory Powers no I know. Uh, I, I have yeah, empathy but yeah. for that too. I'm like, sure. I mean, you made a mistake, but you should you should come back i think you know like why would i just leave you there oh i'm not saying that i'm saying the guy should have taken the cyanide pill i mean obviously (laughs) when he's caught yeah we have to get our 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 guys back but you know even when they're total cowards and failures but i'm just saying like if you sign up for a top secret mission and you care about this country and protecting the united states you kill yourself and don't and 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 trash the plane but anyway that's my anti-gary powers Hey, look, you signed up for it. Look, we need, <laughs> I want to make sure that if our, we have spies out there, I'm sure right now, maybe listening to this podcast that I want that, you know, if they are volunteering and doing this, they got to be, they're doing this to protect the country. And part of that is sacrificing your own life if, if need be to put that over the country. And if he's not willing to do that, I'll, I'll call him a coward. It's fine. Hey, spies, Alex is coming after you. So beware. <laughs> No, I just want you to to take the cyanide pill. That's all. Spies, take the cyanide pill if you have to, because, you know, our country is more important than your life. <laughs> all right. On that note, what is your number three? So uh, my number three is Gung Ho from 1986. This is a film directed by Ron Howard, starring Michael Keaton, Gede Watanabe, George Went, and Mimi Rogers. The INDB plot summary. When a Japanese car company buys an American plant, the American liaison must mediate the clash of work attitudes between the foreign management and native labor. So this film to me was uh, some a movie that was on TV a lot on Comedy Central growing up. And that's how I ended up watching this a lot of different times because it was just sort of on. I mean, it was not huh. a movie that was a hit or as well, well known, but it really exposed me as as a as a young child to kind of two different versions of what work ethic is one where you are your company defines you you're giving everything over to the company all the things that you're doing are for the company and that's how the japanese company is portrayed in this film there's an opening montage of a manager who messed up and he's basically in a almost like a military training camp like flogging himself it's almost like full metal jacket in terms of how he's being humiliated Mm -hmm. just because he did something wrong at work that's the japanese company and then the american auto union guys are yeah they they like their job but they they're putting their family first they they care about what's going on in their community their 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 company doesn't define who they are and they're working for other reasons they're working to put food on the table for their family they're not working because they believe in the company ideals and and that sort of thing i think that's the the message of this movie really is that those two forces kind of come together in the end it was a typical 80s comedy right so the the Japanese uh, company folks learn that they have you know learn from the union and the union learns from them and in the end they all end up working together to solve the problem that they have in the film which is all about again you're doing this work not for a company or for a, a you know your manager you're doing it for your team 
which was a very important distinction for me. And that's how I, you know, I enjoy all the companies I've worked for, but I never worked for them because I believe in some ideal of what the company's trying to do. That honestly doesn't, I don't care about that. I care about like, my my customers, my my team. What are we specifically doing? And then obviously that's probably going to align with what the company's doing. But I'm not. I don't take any pride in my company's accomplishments. I take pride in my own accomplishments and and the work that that I'm doing. I think you know this film. Just thinking back, and I was like, oh, maybe that's sort of why I'm not a quote unquote company man who toes the company line. Like I don't. That means nothing to me. And I think maybe this movie might be why because I watch it so much as like a ten year old. <laughs> Had you seen this <laughs> film before? No, I never heard of it. When you when I saw the name, I was like, "Oh, is this like a GI Joe movie?" Because that's what I thought of instantly. <laughs> Isn't there like a yeah. GI Joe gung ho or something? I, maybe, but I mean, it does sound like a either sound a foreign like film or like some sort of a army military right, military right. movie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think everything you called out definitely comes through. And yeah, I'm I'm the same way for the most part. Like. My, I would only add that for me, there's like a practical thing that I don't want to be working on something and driving something that is just personally meaningful to me and my team, only to find out later that it has no connection whatsoever with mm. what the company stands for, because then I it's see, just a right. waste of time. So I wouldn't yeah, want to do fair. that. But mm-hmm. but yeah, there isn't like, I'm not sort of, you know, charging some flag. I'm the one, I never take any company swag never ever i just have never so you know so yeah uh, (laughs) that says that says a lot yeah that says a (laughs) lot i I never never get anything i've never kept anything so Mm -hmm. but it it, there has to be connection there so i think the movie definitely gets at that i think the other thing that's very interesting is just in general like how do you work with not just different kinds of people, but like people from totally different cultures and backgrounds. Right. You know, right. that's another very interesting thing that the movie portrays. And it's not just people who are overseas, but people who actually now come here from the overseas and are living in your town. And how mm-hmm. do you engage with them and interact with them? There's some, There are lots of things like how the Japanese folks, they're getting kind of, you know, taken into American pop culture, society and right. consumerism and things like that. And how is that shaping their work? And so to me, this was also about like, yeah, you can't just show up in your work mode at work. You bring everything, right? Your, your life and the influences of what you're watching on TV, the cereal you eat in the morning that you weren't eating like six months ago. You ate ramen for right, lunch right, and now right. just or whatever else that you ate in, in Japan. And now your life is different. You bring all of that. And I think to me, those sort of human touches of life uh, were quite apparent in the movie. The movie itself is it's. I mean, it's, it's forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, no, it's, it's a not. rich, there's a lot of good stuff in it. And I feel yeah. like this yeah. movie could have been made in a way where it, it would be like a classic film, but it's just very long drawn out and often motivations aren't very clear. And, you know, it's the classic 80s. Oh, now these two are going to fight in a supermarket. 10 minutes are gone. All the aisles right. are down. I'm like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? There's like a lot of that sort of stuff. That said, though, I think Michael Keaton just like prevails through the entire movie. He's just so good. Like, He's so like I good forget at this role. what yeah. a like innately charismatic, relatable, but also mischievous person he is that who you would go to bat for, which is so important. Uh, because you know, he basically convinces all of his teammates to go bat for these new, you know, 
high productivity markers that he brings mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. you know, just to beat the Japanese initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's like a critical thing. Like, why would you do that? And you do that because Michael Keaton tells you to do that. It would not work otherwise. Why would you do that? No, he's he's very charismatic. And I also also want to call out uh, Gendy Watanabe. Also, who plays the, you know, the Japanese representative. He steals who, the movie, actually. He's so good. And in a yeah. role that on paper and also in performance could have been very stereotypy yeah. leading into, you know, potentially like you know, racist kind of kind of jokes and things. But it, he's a full, well-rounded character who has his mm-hmm. own motivations, his own family life. And you see the struggles with, you know, his workaholism. That, that takes over where he's not going to put together the bike for his kid, uh, his birthday, because he's too busy working. And then he gradually learns that actually the family is important. And that's what should be motivating him to to work. So he loosens up a little bit after seeing how the Americans sort of value. OK, well, I need to take time off because my kid is sick and I don't you right. know, productivity is not as important as me being there for my child or at a you know school play or something like those those things are important to the to the workers in the factory and the, and the Japanese initially don't understand it. And I think that's what what Gendy really does understand and his chemistry and relationship with Michael Keaton throughout the film, Amazing. too, I think is is great. And that easily could have been I mean, I'm not defending all the there are some sort of racist jokes in this in this movie and and some things that don't age super well, the cultural humor. But I do feel that they do have, you know, George Wentz character is racist and the movie calls him out for it and he's sort of painted mm-hmm. as a villain because of a lot of the comments and things that he's that he's mm-hmm. making versus in some of these 80s movies. It's like the racist person's like the funny one or mm-hmm. the movie doesn't kind of comment on that as a negative thing. So actually, I hadn't seen this movie, to be honest, in like 30 years. And I was like, I wonder if this is going to be <laughs> like a very, you know, hard to watch sort of uh, as an aged well thing. And yeah, there's some moments, but I was actually surprised how much it it wasn't like that. But um, I think too, I totally the- agree with that. Like, it, I think it, I give it a lot of credit for just having fully rounded characters, especially mm-hmm. Gendy's character. And, you know, to me, like, it's sort of true, right? It's so I'm not saying that this doesn't happen in the real world where people who look different or speak differently or eat different food, they show up in your land and you're not you probably do make fun of them or you do have jabs at them. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, in my own experience, I think people are mostly curious. Right. And they want to understand and some handle it better than others. But that is generally the motivation. It's a very small minority in my mind who actually has something just like deeply seated that's negative about what is happening. And I think it's that deeply seated negative part, which is highlighted so much more. Uh, And it's, you know, in media and pop culture, and and I'm not saying it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be because we all should see Mm -hmm. the ugly sides of humanity, Mm -hmm. just so we know not to do that and not to go there. But it was also kind of a nice celebration in some ways that these folks are here, they're totally out of their element. And, you know, what could be more foreign than having like Japanese in like a small town, right? American right, working yeah. class in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so different. And I think it's handled fairly well, but like a lot of sort of humanity and decency. And there's also good comedy in there because guess yeah, what? In yeah. life, there would be comedy. Right. For sure. Know? Like, yeah, yeah. If, if we showed up in like a small town, ja- Japanese countryside village town, it would be weird and strange and, you know, delightful and comedic. Yeah, of course. Right. There, There's comedy in the classic fish out of water, yeah. which which I think this movie handles well. But then also I was. Su- I don't want to say surprise, but uh, th- that's 
that this movie doesn't, that's not all that this movie is. Because I was, again, thinking going back to it, maybe I'd realize this is just basically a fish out of water story, but it is really about, and this is maybe why it affected me so much in terms of my work ethic, was a lot about how you work and what motivates you. And how at the end of the movie, which I did find, you know, a, l- a little moving when, so there's a challenge where the Japanese say you have to create X number of cars by the end of the month or else we're shutting the factory down. And initially, Michael Keaton tries to motivate his workers with money. Oh, we'll give you this raise if you hit this 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 amount. And they end up not, they're not going to make it. And then it's it's only until they come together and decide that, okay, if I w- we work with the Japanese workers and we all realize we're in this together and that's what gets them to, to the milestone. And it's about that solidarity and the camaraderie and which you feel a lot in the workplace of everyone just sort of coming together. And the motivation is that, the teamwork. And it's not about a selfish, oh, I want this money or I want right. this promotion myself because that that doesn't lead to, to good work or that's a, 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 sort of a negative motivation, I feel like. Then yeah. look, we're all in this together. You know, I'm going to go into the assembly line and they're all doing their own, you know, the management's coming down and uh, the Japanese guys are all kind of like dancing around. That was, you know, classic eighties montage of them putting all the cars together where they're all it's, working it's together. Great. And I just thought that that was a, a great message and something that I carry into, to my work ethic too, of like working with the team. And that's really what this is about, like coming together and building something great for all of us instead of a specific financial motivation. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I will say, though, it, it is a little bit funny to me that, like, in this movie, and maybe this is how it used to be, that the American sort of value system around work is about balance and family. And, and I'm like, that is not true in my experience <laughs> at all. Like, yeah, you know, it's like people are basically you know, slaves to whatever goals were handed to them and are fighting for those, you know, come hell high or water, you know, I'm consumers of all these devices. So I guess I shouldn't be so negative. But yeah, why does this stupid device have to be the same device in a slightly different box need to Mm -hmm. be shipped out every two months? No one cares. I don't. But (laughs) people do. And everybody (laughs) just joins hands and kills themselves to put these devices outside. So basically nothing has changed or everything has changed. I don't know. No, that's a really good point, too. When I was looking at this, uh, this movie now thinking like actually the way they portray the Japanese car company in this film is it seems to be a lot more about the American work ethic, at least nowadays. Mm -hmm than it maybe used to be. And maybe we should be going back to more of the, how Michael mm-hmm. Keaton and the, uh, the union folks used to work where, you know, your family is important too. But I thought that was, I, I noticed that too. I'm like, Oh, this is not typical nowadays. <laughs> no. So let's move back to your list, Karan. What's your number two film that shaped your work ethic? All right. So my number two is the associate from 1996 directed by Donald Petrie starring Whoopi Goldberg, Diane Wiest, Eli Wallach. Quick logline, a comedy about making it on Wall Street. Prejudices are hard to break and Laurel Ayers quickly learns that in order for people to take her seriously, she has to work for an older white man or be one. So Cheeky little logline there. <laughs> quite good, actually. I like that. Yeah, it should be on the poster or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I put this movie on my list. I mean, obviously, it's, it's a fun romp and we'll get into it. But, you know, you're talking a lot about the rule book. I think this movie is about sort of breaking that rule book, Mm -hmm. but it's really about sort of your own passion and drive for entrepreneurship. And you can take that in all aspects. Like it could be as extreme as what Laurel Ayers, Whoopi Goldberg's character does, where she basically quits work, starts her own thing, 
things aren't working and assumes a fake identity mm-hmm. to then move that forward. Or it could manifest itself in much smaller doses, you know? And I I, I really abide by that, that in order for something to make sense to me and push through it or motivate myself or motivate the team in small ways or in big ways, you have to be in charge, I think, of your own destiny in a way. And you have to be entrepreneurial in that sense. And this could manifest itself, itself like I said, in smaller ways, we're just problem solving things. Or sometimes you have to take a step back and relook at your life, that the journey that I've been on, is this the one that motivates me? Is this true to me? And if not, then you make a change to it. You know, I've always believed in that, that life is short and mm-hmm. We have to make the most of the time that we spend and work is a big part of that time we spend. So it has to matter. It has to mean something. And you have to push through in that sense. I think this movie represents that to me. Additionally, it's also about, you know, not buckling down. You know, people might tell you you're this, you're that, or not give you what you think you deserve. And and of course, there's no shortcut to hard work and you have to be good, but over that, you also have to demand it, I think. Mm-hmm. I would not necessarily do what Laurel Ayers does in this movie. <laughs> like I do value my own honesty and dignity and such a little more than this character, I would say. But I think y- you have to demand it. And that's something that I feel like for me will always be a work in progress. I've I've always been the person that, yeah, if you if you do your job well, other things would happen. And I still mostly believe in that but i've learned as i've grown older that you also have to demand what you want mm-hmm. and i become much better at that than i used to be in my 20s but i think there's more i could do there because uh, you know people are not just going to hand it to you correct yeah no i think that well first of all i had not seen this film before so this is the first time <laughs> take a look at it I'll, I'll talk about what you yeah. were just bringing up and and the themes and then we'll get in a little more into the film but yeah i, I agree with you that this movie is very good at capturing the well yeah we can call it entrepreneurial spirit but mm-hmm. it's that that worth at work ethic side of not taking no for an answer asking for what you want if you don't get it okay i'm gonna go over here and then get it and she mm-hmm. ends up getting it on her own and it being run running a successful financial management firm she wasn't able to navigate the company she was at obviously there's a lot of you know gender and racial politics in that too which i think mm-hmm. the movie does a great job of acknowledging but not dwelling on or making yeah. it that about that specifically it's it's more in a general sense of you have to ask for what you want if you don't get it then you go off and you create that on your own and i think that is a how i've gotten better too over the years in my career of of focusing on that aspect of not just thinking anything's going to come to me oh i put some certain time in here or then the promotion is going to come or oh people can recognize the work that i'm doing i don't need to right. draw attention to it no you do and then also knowing when if you're not going to get what you want from where you're at making that choice. Okay, fine. I'll just go somewhere else then because you know what you want. I think she's very clear what, what she wants. And what I liked about the message of this film too, is the ending of the movie and what she is trying to actually accomplish, which is not just, okay, I want to work my way up the corporate ladder. And then maybe she does this, you know, disguise or act or what have you. And then at the end of the movie, now she's in charge of the financial firm that she worked at. Like, no, that, that, no, she's started her own thing and and stuck to what she believes in. And she saw the issues of, or the barriers that existed for, for women. And she 
created her own space where that then other women could flourish like the the secretary that she hires in mm-hmm. to, to the film so she's not conforming to any the current structure and the, and the current path she's creating her own path and letting that path also be another one for other people to follow that might also feel like they're shut out of how these other institutions work i almost i know this is a remake of even a remake i think the story's kind of old but i was watching this movie and wondering if this was a movie set in the 80s whether the ending would be more of okay well now she's going to get a vp level role at the company she was at and then she's like yeah i got it and then that was sort of the end of the movie and I, I just I like that it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think potentially maybe if it was earlier in in a mate in terms of when this was made, maybe they would have they would have done that. But I, yeah. I really did like the the message of the film and where uh, she, you know, she found herself at the end. I thought that was a pleasant surprise. Cause I was like, okay, mm-hmm. is this gonna be is she just gonna go back and then get her old job back or something? But they give her a raise. Mm-hmm. But no, no, she's still, yeah. you know, I, I started this thing, yeah, I lied about having a partner in this business. So there is some some of that too. But no, I'm, I'm, this is the path I'm on. I, I respected yeah. that about that character and, and also how the filmmakers handled the story. Yeah, I totally agree. Because ultimately, it is also about self-worth, you know? Like, whenever I'm interviewing, right. they always say, you know, what are your salary expectations? And I'm always like, well, I want to see what you think I'm worth. What am I bringing to the table? And after we've had all the conversations about what this role is about and what do you expect of me and such, and now you spent you know, eight, 10 hours talking to me in many ways. Yeah, it it is about money. I wouldn't lie. But to me, it's much more about how do you see me? You know, right. what do you think my worth is? And I think what Laurel Ayers is kind of fighting for. Yes, it's about success. It's about the big contracts and, you know, all of that. But I think it's more about self-worth that mm-hmm. can I can I make a space for myself? Can people see me for who I am and the talent that I have and the work that I put in, you know, because she's not seen that way at all. Even though she's right. doing all the hard work at the corporate firm, mm-hmm. she gets no credit. And to me, it's always about that. Like, I, I just want the acknowledgement. I don't want anything else, really. I mean, I'll take the money. Sure, <laughs> sure, want, sure. But it's not about that. No, no. And I think there's a um, another character. I can't remember the actress who who plays her, but she's more of like the sultry woman. Oh, yeah, B.B. Newworth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she's been successful in, in how she's navigating. But even though she is smart and they demonstrate that in the film, like she knows what she's doing, but she can't get recognition for, for that value. Yeah. She's there. She's only valued for her look. So that's how she's chose to navigate her path mm-hmm. up the corporate ladders. Just literally just use the fact that she's very attractive and she's charming and that's what's getting her up there even though she's worth more than that and she comes to that revelation too at the end of of the film and i think Whoopi goldberg's character through what her actions and what she's demonstrating too sort of proves that to her like you don't have to put up with just because people view you in this way you actually have more than value to that and you should own that instead of run away from it and I, i think that was an interesting again point where it does talk obviously there's a gender dynamics to play here but the movie's not dwelling on it too much or making yeah. it about that. It's just there and you can see it. And that's why I liked how they they were handling the themes here because it's definitely totally could have agree. been very easily ham-fisted women, blah, 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 like too, like painting the note, the message of, of the film on the head a little too much where it sort of sometimes gets, uh, I find you know, the message can overwhelm the film. But here the message was clear, but they did it in the story and the characters. They weren't beating you over the head with what they were trying to say, which I, I totally agree. pleasantly yeah. surprised too. Yeah, which is why this movie is on rotation in my list because I A, it's just such a fun movie 
I'm a big Whoopi Goldberg yeah, comedic movie fan. Like she just has this, such an amazing ability to kind of be human and vulnerable, but irritated, but smart, but has something interesting to say. It's always that unique package. Nobody does irritated better than Whoopi Goldberg. I think it's just <laughs> such a fun thing that she does. And then, you know, you mentioned uh, Diane Weiss's character. What a great foil to Whoopi Goldberg. Like their chemistry the secretary and relationship. Who, yeah, who gets yeah, laid off too. So yeah. amazing. Like you root for that. And there again, like you said, it's very subtly shown that like this is complicated because yes, they're both women, but Whoopi is a person of color mm -hmm. versus Diane Weist is an older woman who's at a sort of a lesser quote unquote job as a secretary mm -hmm. who's not valued as somebody like an executive might be, especially in those times. So mm -hmm. they both have their own battles with the system or you, you could even say men, but also mm -hmm. between each other mm -hmm. because Whoopi doesn't really see her. She's right. not even in her view. And Diane Weiss calls that out, that mm -hmm. you don't even see me. You talk to me pretty rudely and such. And so I love that how the two of them also connect and come together. Like, it's not just because, oh, we are women and we both are, you know, not getting what we want. So let's just join hands. They have a journey to kind of see each other for who exactly. they are. Mm -hmm. And it's really the work and the hard work. Like she, Diane Weiss kind of proves her worth. She gets in a meeting that she's Whoopi Goldberg is trying to get to through her contacts, and Whoopi Goldberg is able to do that, and Dan Weiss gets her a slot, and right, that right. meeting slot changes everything. So she proves her worth. So you see lots of different kind of struggles, but also different work ethics at play. Mm -hmm. uh, who's the lady from my big fat Greek wedding? The mother. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, she's the publicist the name, yeah. kind of lady. She's using her power in her own way, you mm -hmm. know. Like she's she's not the the attractive sort of bombshell person like BB Newworth, but mm -hmm. she also has a lot of clout on her, her. And for her, her power is being in the know, being there first and right. such. So right. you see lots of different work ethics at play. And overall, it's just a fun movie. It's a great New York movie. And the whole hijinks of, you know, Whoopi Goldberg transforming into a <laughs> white man brings back Mrs. Doubtfire vibes, which is so fun. And I mean, it's not the best makeup or any of that, <laughs> but I just love the gag of it, the whole thing. And Robert Cuddy, you know, is, is I always smile when I when I think of Robert Cuddy. Yeah, I, I the film for me didn't actually work as well. I think as a different in terms of that. I didn't find it really that funny, and the, and the plot got kind of kind of a little boring. But I kind of wished actually the disguise element. So she makes up her silent partner. She makes up a silent partner for her firm to get recognition and uh, basically meetings because it's an old white man. She pretends that, and then eventually she has to dress up as this old white man to show that he actually exists. Instead mm -hmm. of just some uh, just person on the end of a phone line, I thought the makeup. She first of all, I was like, "Is that actually her or that?" And then I realized, "Oh no, that is actually her." It looked it looked to me like Donald Trump crossed with um, George Washington. The I way know. that she looked, it was so it was very funny. I mean, obviously, Father alert, to look Donald Trump is in the movie, and Donald Trump is in the movie, <laughs> and he tries to act too, which <laughs> I'm like, "Don't give him lines. Like, just have Quite him do one hilarious. line, like in Home Alone, instead of uh, have a whole little scene and a, and a fun uh, fun." funny bit or attempted a funny bit, but yeah. that, that was definitely very dated having Donald Trump in your film. Yeah, um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought the messages of the movie, especially under this lens of work ethic to me worked more than the actual like execution. Like I appreciated the intent and how they handled this, this plot. And I think actually this movie 
would be a great one to be remade now. And yeah. you could take the same premise of a silent partner where you have to, I mean, I could see it being a, in a startup environment in like Silicon Valley, instead of being in your, you could take this same um, premise. I think you do a lot of really interesting things on it and maybe be a little more well executed. It would be hand fisted and it will be ruined. I think. If it well, hopefully. Yes, I know that would be, I, I'm yeah. saying if they could carry it like this, like this yeah. sort of, well, very good balance. Um, yeah. But uh, no, it was, it was fun to watch. I mean, I also really enjoy Whoopi's nineties um, run of comedies. This is one that I had never seen. So it was nice to, nice to visit. And I think a lot of the messages really resonated with me in terms of the work ethic piece, like the not taking no for an answer. And knowing your self-worth, I think, are two really important parts of what yeah. motivates you and drives you in terms of the work world. Yeah, totally. All right. What is your number two movie that shaped your work ethic? So my number two film is Moneyball from 2011. This is directed mm. by Bennett Miller, starring Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, Chris Pratt, and Robin Wright. The INDB plot summary, Oakland A's general manager Billy Bean's successful attempt to assemble a baseball team on a lean budget by employing computer-generated analysis to acquire new players. So this is a based on a true story. So it's a true story about Billy being this manager. And for me, I think what this exemplifies a lot is, again, going back to motivation. This seems to be a, a theme when I think about work ethics. What motivates you? And for Billy Bean, it's the motivation to innovate, the motivation to think different, the motivation to prove to yourself, and really to nobody else, but to yourself, that this idea that is different, that you believe in, actually is 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 correct and that is what motivates billy to change the entire game of how baseball recruiting is done how managing and staffing a team is done how even playing players in the field and what you know you want what you're acquiring them to do in the game is done and it he does successfully lead to completely changing the entire game of baseball but it was never for him about the money it was about proving this to himself again that this different idea is is right and for me i you know sometimes maybe it comes across as stubborn but but for me at work if i believe or selfish in, or selfish yeah <laughs> if 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 i believe in something and believe in i think this is the right way to do things mm -hmm. I, that does motivate me to you know get that that product out there or do get that project going or something happening at work that is a big motivation to me no i don't and i'm not in it for recognition for anyone else other than myself yep you know what that was the right thing to do i believed in it no one else believed in it i proved that that it was and that makes me feel good about myself which i think this movie does a great job of amongst a lot of other things i i think this movie is just uh incredible piece of filmmaking but i'd love to hear your thoughts on whether you'd seen this film before and then your thoughts on billy bean and what motivates him and, and work ethic etc yeah no i love this movie and has sort of been in kind of that rotation as well like it's a great sports movie it's a great work movie um yeah i that resonates with me as well and is in the movie but to me what is more what this movie is more about from a work ethic standpoint is Number one, when the chips are down, you have to sort of start looking at the world in a different way. You can't just keep doing what you've been doing. And those beginning scenes are so electric where, you know, they've lost all their players. They don't have the money. They're not mm -hmm. going to get more money. And everybody else and the team is sort of approaching everything the same way. And Billy Bean is very much like, no, we got to think differently. We can't, mm -hmm. we don't have the money to get these players. So you know, you just going down life just the way you have been, it's just not going to work. So that's, right. I think, number one. Number mm -hmm. two, spotting talent. 
in the uh, most right. unconventional places. Like he's in this meeting there and he just sees Jonah Hill's character like say something and he sees he's present enough, Billy Bean, to look at the the head honcho of that place. I, I forget where they're at, listens to what Jonah Hill's character has to say and then follows up tries to understand what this guy even does mm -hmm. and really starts to see the, yeah, the statistical way of doing things actually could be very powerful. To me, that's the other big sort of work ethic thing is that you have to A, stay present to be mm -hmm. able to be able to even like rock on a nugget like that, but then have the foresight to have an open mind. Act, to me, it's the opposite. Like, yeah, you believe in what you believe in, which was, Sure, I want to win, but that belief and how you're going to do it comes through this in engagement and interaction with Jonah Hill's character. Believing has no idea about any of this stuff before when the mm -hmm. movie starts. So, right, right, right. To me, it's about how do you keep an open mind and kind of engage with somebody, spot the right talent, and then build on that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, determination and belief and all that comes in. So, yeah, that's what gets me excited about this movie. And I believe in all of those things that. You know, in my life, I've brought in people from who didn't have the right experience on paper or were in totally different teams, but I felt that they have something interesting to say and they challenge me in like a weird way or maybe even make me uncomfortable. And I brought them in and those have been some of the most valuable partnerships. And, you know, we've been able to do stuff that didn't seem possible or wasn't even on my mind before. Mm -hmm. So... It's actually weirdly like an exercise of humility as well, as much as you have to be dogged in your own belief system. No, for sure. And I think that the attraction that Billy Bean has to Jonah Hill's character, who's the analyst that helps him sort of the math behind right. his theory of, of, of Moneyball is that same mentality of thinking different and motivation that is not the same as the motivation that the rest of at least the the Oakland A's organization has like right. Jonah Hill loves math and statistics. And that's just his love of that is what is motivating him. Mm -hmm. And Billy Bean is under the duress of the situation is smart enough to realize, well, what can I actually impact and what can I not? I cannot impact some things. I can't, I can impact some, the things, certain things. So I'm going to try to change those because right now I think he even says at one point in the movie, like the, if we keep going down this path, we will keep, just being a team that that brings in the next star player overpays them. They're going to leave immediately like they're uh, right. just a farm team for the bigger teams that have all the money, because in baseball in the United States, the there's a lot of disparity between teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox who win a lot of games and are story institutions that have hundreds of millions of dollars at their disposal in terms of t recruiting talent versus smaller market teams like Oakland A's. And there's a huge disparity in that. Mm -hmm. So there are rich and poor teams. And I think that Billy Bean is one of the few people that un like recognizes that fact and doesn't see it as a limitation. He sees it as something, a, a way to innovate. He can do something different and that, it, that is what's driving him. And he's not about, I don't, it, it, it struck me that he wasn't even looking for, again, it wasn't about the money because at the end of the film, Boston Red Sox are trying to recruit him. Right. We're going to give him more money than any manager's ever been offered. And he turned it down and stuck with the Oakland A's throughout the rest of his entire management career because he's continuing to try to prove that he can make his theory work. Now, his theory eventually does actually give the, the Red Sox a win. I mean, amongst other things, but the movie tries to set it up as the Red Sox do win the World Series using Billy Bean's method. But he's not if he was motivated by money, he would have left. And right. I think that was a, a big moment for him. 
he wanted to change baseball, which is a very lofty, crazy goal. But that was what he keeps saying he wants to do. He's like, oh, it's not important even if we have a this winning streak. If a winning season, all these things don't matter. What matters is we have to win the World Series because that's what will change baseball. That's mm-hmm. what that's what I want to do. And having that lofty aspirational mm-hmm. goal is also something that is a big motivator to me of just thinking something that you're probably never going to be able to do. But thinking that big and crazy and wild does really give me motivation a lot in and in, in what I what I work on instead of thinking small or right. thinking as limitations as, as a negative thing as opposed to a thing that can force you to innovate. And totally. I, I love that scene in the film where he's sitting there with his current uh, staff of the scouts and they're all recommending, oh, this player, this player. And he's like, look, I'm not trying to replace our first baseman. He's gone. He's never coming back. We can never replace him with one guy. What about this person? What about this person? We can put a, a mass of several people together that can do statistically what this one person did and we can do it a lot cheaper. And just seeing the looks and the the disdain that he's getting from the scouts and no one's trusting him. There's all this pushback, but he believes and he's going to find a way and, and push it and get it done. And it's a really inspiring like this movie, really like you said, is an incredible baseball and sports movie, but also just a business movie and a relationship movie. And the, the movie's just, uh, I mean, every time I see it, I'm like, this might be one of the best movies of this century. It's so sort far. of a perfect movie. Just in, in a masterpiece. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. And he's so great. I think oh this God, might Brad be Pitt. his oh, best, best performance. I think performance so. of just his career. incredible performance. So good. And I think he does the whole ex-jock, ex-athlete mm-hmm. kind of thing really well as well like it's in his body it's in his fabric Mm -hmm. you believe everything he's no he's not brad pitt but Mm -hmm. he still brings the movie star charisma to this role which makes sense for a person like billy bean to have that i have no idea what this person is in real life i didn't look him up but um and then also you know from a screenplay standpoint and how the movie is directed like bennett miller is so good Mm -hmm. Uh, he's made a handful of movies and i think all of them are kind of you know pretty much amazing yeah agreed um that he grounds the story once again in full rounded you know humanity Like Mm -hmm. you get to see that, yes, Billy Bean is driven for all the things that you and I talked about, but he's also a haunted guy, actually. Yes. yes. You know, his whole past to being recruited early in life, supposedly this kid, Wonderkin, who who was going to do amazing things and things didn't pan out the way Mm -hmm. he or his family thought. And that sort of left him. He's with a void. He's divorced. His wife, Robin Wright, has married a very funny Spike Jones. Amazing. Uh, I love his. <laughs> it's amazing. So Whenever he does these kind of little, you know, cameo roles, kind yeah, of smarmy, yeah. rich, probably tech person. Yep. Uh, That's somewhere. what he comes across as. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, it's a classic sort of tech billionaire house as well. Like, it's so good. So he's haunted by that. And then the center of the movie, I think, is it's his relationship with his daughter Mm -hmm. which is just so tender and you know we've talked about motivating factors yes it's about proving yourself right i think in his case is also digging himself out of this haunted hole that he's been in but it's also about him being a father you know it's that song recording of his daughter in his daughter's voice at least in the movie Mm -hmm. that makes him not one of the main things that doesn't you know, to make him take the job in Boston and leave Oakland because he wants right. to be a dad. He wants to stay there. So to me, like that's, yeah, you can be very driven in work, but to me, it's always about the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And by staying there, I think he's healing from his hauntedness that life is not just about proving that I'm right or or winning at work. 
it's also about staying present for my daughter and being mm -hmm. there, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, there's, there's more to it. So I love that message of this movie as well. And that's something that I've started to underline more and more in life with regards to work ethic is that you can't just come, you know, put this in a box. It's, it's everything, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, we have to look at life, our relationships in like a holistic way and work is an important part of that. And, and yeah, if you're going to win and do what you want at work, you also have to be aware of the consequences. It's going to come from somewhere else. Right. The, workahol the workaholism piece of yeah. it, potentially. Right, 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 right. And I didn't see and him. And overdrivenness, right? Like, right, what is right, it right. all about? Like, mm -hmm. I think it's important to check, at least for me, your ambition. You know, mm -hmm. what is fueling that? And it's so easy to get caught up that I'm right. So I have to prove myself right. But at what point, you know? maybe what you've been holding on to has changed now. Mm -hmm. And it's that's to me, that's a very important work ethic thing that we are constantly checking in with ourselves of like, okay, does this still matter? Does this still hold true? Mm -hmm. Maybe it doesn't. Yeah. And then that's why to me, like the money piece is a big, a big yeah. piece in this too. Like that's not what he was ever trying no. to, to chase for. He just wanted that, that recognition. I mean, maybe too. And in, in those earlier flashback scenes, when, the scouts are telling him when he's a young kid, oh, you're going to, you're going to change the game as a player. And he didn't. And that, that maybe now he's trying to fill that void. If he wants to change the game, well, how can he do it in, in, as a manager? And this is, this is his attempt to leave a mark on baseball, which potentially as a child, he thought he was always going to do, but he maybe he thought he was going to be the next star, you know, athlete, but instead actually he changes it from behind the scenes. And that's the void that he's chasing is that sense of, failure or lack of living up to a potential that was promised to him so mm -hmm. but he's still going to get there but just in a in a way that is very different and maybe that is a lot of the daughter being a motivating factor too in that sense of showing to her that he's not giving up and that he is still going to live up to that potential that he maybe felt pressure and as a child to not only to himself but from his parents and you know, the, those those early scenes and how they weave those into the movie through flashbacks throughout it of gradually revealing, you know, motivations and a backstory to why this character can come across a little haunted sometimes is is just great. And I, I also credit Brad Pitt's performance of being able to you can see that in his in his face. In yeah, his, he's a man. his explosions of anger. I love those scenes when he just, oh, very, yeah. he's a very calm guy. And then sometimes we'll just, you know, grab the chair and like throw it across and explode. And I think that that does come from a, a pain of, you know, view of failure of, of himself. Yeah, right. Totally. I do question and wonder though, that how much of kind of changing the sport and the legacy and such is like a, you know, specified goal for him or just something that happens along the path. I actually don't know if this is what he was chasing. I think it just happened Not along the, beginning. the way. Right. But then he eventually, when he's, you know, there is a speech he gives to Jonah Hill saying like, we can't, like the winning streak doesn't matter to me. It's not about these wins. At this point, we have to go to the World Series oh, yeah, and win that right. or else this means nothing. They will forget us instantly. All these wins will mean nothing. But yeah. I don't think he necessarily thought that this money ball would be that he was just trying to, you know, hold his team together in a right. sense of give his, give the Oakland A's a, a better season. And then very quickly he was realizing, I think after meeting with Jonah Hill and really understanding how this math could be this powerful, which is also an amazing scene. I love in movies where they're trying to like show calculations. Sometimes it's it doesn't so work, good. but this is just like, Oh, with this player, this money and like editing the script just is, is so well done. Yeah. But once he meets Jonah Hill, then I think it is, he realizes that actually, yeah, the ambition is to, is to, to change the entire game, which he, you know, he does, even though 
not in the way that he ever wanted to, which is through Oakland A's. Like they just other teams copied his his playbook and and started using it to to run their programs. One other thing that I wanted to add was that I don't care about the sport and understand very little about it. And I think that's the other genius of the movie is that it pulls you in and makes all of this math, all of the details of the sport really understandable and enjoyable, which I think is such a success of this movie is that it's not kind of this just for baseball people who understand the sport. It's like a universal sports movie that's, you know, about relationships and people coming over their own struggles and, and such. So I love that too. No, for sure. Yeah, you don't have to come in with any knowledge or even love of the game, honestly, to find this movie captivating, fascinating, and powerful as well. Okay, so now we're down to number ones. So, Karan, why don't you start us off with the number ones? What is your number one film that shaped your work ethic? All right, so my number one is Spotlight from 2015, directed by Tom McCarthy, starring Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, whole stack cast, a quick log line, a true story of how the Boston Globe uncovers the massive scandal of child molestation and cover-up within the local Catholic archdiocese, shaking the entire Catholic Church to its core. So, you know, despite the the grim and serious subject matter of this film, I think to me what this film really stands for from a work ethic standpoint is hard work, getting in the details, no matter what it takes. It's also about teamwork mm-hmm. of sort of really supporting each other through, you know, what you've really laid out the thing to be. Keeping an open mind, because that's where discovery and invention happens. Uh, you have to have that mindset, you know, to keep going down that path. It's it's all of those things that kind of make this movie a super powerful. And again, like I said, despite its sort of you know grim subject matter, it's actually a very watchable movie because it's so powerful and so propulsive. It kind of becomes like an investigatory movie as well. And we'll get into the detail of the movie later, but. But yeah, from a work ethic standpoint, like I always think of this movie whenever I'm struggling with, you know, long work hours or struggling with why are we even doing this? It's this movie I always think about reminding myself a about what the motivation is, what the mm-hmm. end goal is, mm-hmm. and then how do we, you know, band as a team together to keep digging? Because that's where, no pun intended, the gold is at. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you'd seen this movie before. Yes, I'd seen it when it when it came out. I hadn't seen it since just because honestly, it's a very I find it to be a very hard watch because of the subject yeah. matter. It's it's such a yeah serious and, and terrible thing that this not the investigation, but the crimes that were committed right. that this investigation is talking about. So it was it's still I think it's, the film still held up a lot to me and I, I loved it at the time and I still I still like it a lot, too. And I think this, you know, newspaper journalist movies it it they are great when it, you talk about work ethic and determination because there's a lot of shoe leather that goes into real journalism you're mm-hmm. chasing down leads some leads will lead nowhere some leads won't you takes months and sometimes years to close out on a story and this movie definitely does a great job of showing the dedication you have to be putting in as a journalist to continue to push and push and look and look and look because you believe there is a story there and that that is definitely a and a, you know an inspiring aspect of, of the work ethic and i think what's interesting too in, in this movie and we touched on this a little bit i guess with the money ball as well it's it's knowing 
what your goal is, knowing when you've accomplished it, and then changing your goal potentially halfway through. And there's a lot of sequences in this film where they have enough to publish something about maybe a couple churches or a couple priests. But as they dig deeper, they realize there's something bigger here. And actually we need to leave or uh, set our sights on a larger goal of mm -hmm. instead of going after these individual parishes or individual priests, we need to go the entire system because that actually, it goes that deep. And it's knowing when you change your goal, set a new goal and, and keep the motivation to move towards a new goal, as opposed to, look, we already did it. We we mm -hmm. found this. And there's a lot of great and emotional intense scenes in this film where a lot of these journalists for a wide variety of reasons want to, to, I mean, I don't say stop, but start publishing and get the word out mm -hmm. there. And uh, Michael Keaton's character, which again, two Michael Keaton movies, that's interesting in this, in this mm -hmm. podcast, Michael Keaton's uh, character says, no, we're, there's actually a bigger story here. We have to, not do anything yet and keep it's actually Leah Schreiber who really oh that was him that said that okay that. he was yeah. pressing that yeah and that is something that has, happens to me a lot in my projects and work and you know your goals are changing and you want to get pushed maybe to do something bigger and that's a frustrating thing but it also can be a a motivating thing as well of like the, mm -hmm. the bigger the goal gets the more important your work becomes. And I think that was for sure the case here. And as hard as it must have been, and there's a lot of ethical trade-offs you could call them in this movie where I don't know how I would have dealt with those those moral dilemmas that a lot of these um, writers were put into. But at the end goal, I mean, it was one of the more important investigations and stories ever, or at least in the last yeah. 100, 200 years. I mean, this uh, had a long standing impact even to this day and worldwide not just in the local boston area so i think that to, to leave shriver's character's credit i mean again i don't know how this in terms of the real life i'm sure it was not mm -hmm. exactly like this but at least in the film i think he was right to to push for that because they accomplished something way bigger uh by uncovering a scandal that was systematic as opposed to oh a couple you know bad parishes and, and bad actors it was a lot right. bigger than that yeah no totally I think that's the big message of the movie or another big work ethic thing for me, like you said. The other big work ethic thing, in addition to what you already spelled out, is is also about forgiveness in a weird way and kind of, you know, standing up even though you might have fallen or ignored in the past. So what I mean mm -hmm. by that is that th this story and, you know, murmurs of it and such actually did hit the Boston Globe previously. In fact, Michael Keaton's character was the one who was sent some material before and he just didn't act on it. And there could be a variety of reasons for that. They don't really go into that much. But what I love about what happens after is that Leo Schreiber character, not once does he like present judgment or mm -hmm. puts Michael Keaton in prison Mm -hmm. or what he did, because it's about now. It's mm -hmm. about, he sees it that, okay, this mistake was made in the past, but now this team is working at it, you know? Mm -hmm. And my job as a leader is to inspire the team, keep the team focused and keep them going as opposed to dwelling on what happened five years ago and or however long ago that was. And I think right, that's such right. a great work ethic tenant, if you will, from a leadership standpoint to keep the team focused in that way. And also for the team that, you know, you may be dysfunctional or you may not be on the right path earlier. It doesn't mean you cannot be. You can right. be actually, right. if you find the right chemical balance, if you will, within each other, the right drive and the right set of goals, because it's the same team. They weren't doing this earlier. And 
exactly. they're galvanized in a in such a powerful way for the about the story because it means something and i think it goes to show that we're not always the same like context matters and mm-hmm. leadership matters and what we are after matters and as leaders and as team workers i think it's very hard to do but you have to look at people try to look at people in in a fresh perspective in a fresh light on an ongoing basis so i, I always take that from this movie as well because it's no. so easy to just brand people off that oh no this is not the smart one or this is the slow team and mm-hmm. sometimes it might be true but you know <laughs> <laughs> well just because they were in the past or in the present doesn't mean they can't mean, change yeah. right and do something better in the in the future right something this is a different situation this is a different right. maybe and story also what a different were you time. doing as leader as a company were you right. setting up for success were you inspiring them in the right way did you have mm-hmm. the right project for them maybe not no, for sure. And I think that's where Leah Schreier's character, again, I'll just talk about character as opposed because these are all real people. And I don't know right. how much of this is necessarily true or not, but it, the importance of a different vision. He has a very specific vision for what the Boston Globe should be focused on, which is investing more in local community issues instead of try to have, you know, run off and cover like the Iraq war or mm-hmm. other things that are going on overseas. No, this is a Boston paper. We need to invest and cover in, in Boston things. And maybe that was potentially the reason why several years ago when they had just a small story, they weren't really focused on as much local local issues. Obviously, this became much bigger than just a Boston story, but it started out as a Boston story. And I think that was the, the he had specific goals that was motivating his team to be like, no, we have, we want to focus on spotlight. We want to focus on local stories, which this was. And that does make a difference of, of leadership, I think, is is what he was, was pushing for. And then everyone else responds in kind to that. They have new motivation. And that is what's driving them to 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 get this story out there and to do all the hard legwork and, and mm-hmm. shoe leather that it needs to, to get to a story like this. I mean, especially when you're fighting against institutions of, like the church and city government. And, you know, in, in Boston, you know, the church is very, very important culturally to, to mm-hmm. folks that, that live there, especially the Catholics. So it's not an easy thing to go after and they're being told no and doors slamming their face throughout the entire, entire film. And it's uh, it just, it is inspiring that these people actually put the, 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 the effort in and had that work ethic and the right leadership and all these things to uncover a very important, important story. Yeah, I've watched this movie many, many times as hard of a watch it is Mm -hmm. for that inspiration and the power of it. And then also how the movie is put together. I think Tom McCarthy did such an amazing job. Like Mm -hmm. this becomes a procedural. The performances are amazing. Mm -hmm. The score, the editing, like it it just flies by. You're gripped by this from the very beginning. And a movie that could have just had a very different tone given mm-hmm. the subject matter. Mm-hmm. It just handles so deftly. I, as heartbreaking and devastating the victims' portrayals are in the movie, they are handled so carefully and deftly and thoughtfully. And even those people, their performances are so good. They just they just have one scene and they're absolutely incredible. But the thing I was going to say was that after watching this movie many times, for the first several times, it was always about the actual team, you know, Ruffalo, the other guy, I forget his name, Tucci, Rachel McAdams. Like it was these people that I would think about. But as I watched the movie more and more, it's Leah Schreiber who I think about more actually, because, mm-hmm. you know, he's also an outsider. He's Jewish. Mm-hmm. He's not even only from, he's not even from Boston actually. Correct. So that's right, sort of right. the other amazing thing that's happening from a work ethic standpoint is that 
you can sometimes you are a total outsider and he doesn't play the game if you will you know mm-hmm. he's totally different he's not hobnobbing with the local powers that be to make an impression he's just about the work right. you know and i i find that so refreshing as well so yeah it's funny like how over time this movie to me has become like a leah schreiber mvp as mvp movie Interesting. Yeah, I know it, it, that can happen, especially the more times you see a film. And as you get older and your perspective shifts yeah. in your own life, you, it shifts on on films. I, I guess there's one thing I, I need to need to caveat or, or mention, I guess, because this is a, a movie in Boston. And I, yeah. I grew up in Boston that I have to say these these Boston accents are terrible, as they always are in oh. every movie, especially Michael Keaton. It was just hard to oh. again. The Boston accent is one of the hardest accents you can do. And but there's very few actors. It's fine. No, well, that's because they were bostonians like ben, right. matt and ben could go in go into that right because they right. grew up there but when actors kind of come in that we're not in that area so not to pick Bahaba. on keaton too sorry yeah <laughs> there you <go>. yeah <laughs> yeah it's just it, it's it, sometimes it takes me a while to kind of get over that when i'm watching like a boston movie I'm like just just don't try it just don't try to do the accent and then i can kind of enjoy it so i just as a as a bostonian or someone who grew up in boston i just wanted to, to say the accents are not good <laughs> But the film is 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 fantastic. And, uh, you know, again, it, it held up, um, hadn't seen it since it was out. And I think it's uh, just a great, a great film. And actually, in a way, this is, you know, obviously a very horrible and, and tragic topic that they're dealing with. And they found an angle into the story where it is a. It's like a positive, the only positive mm-hmm. version of the story you could tell is the journalists that were able to do the 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 job to get the story out there and then start mm-hmm. an acting change you know it's similarly with like schindler's list like Spielberg picked the one positive aspect of the holocaust that is an uplifting version of that horrible mm-hmm. horrible event in the same way that this film too i mean could have been a lot more focused on the awful acts that were taking place which I'm not saying you shouldn't make films about that too but it would be a much much harder watch than this oh, yeah. it is at least inspiring and uh you know moving because of the work that they that they did it makes it a little easier to to watch, even though again, it's it was very it's very difficult for me to see this film just because of what what it deals with. Yeah, no, totally. All right, what is your number one movie that shaped your work ethic? Okay, so my number one film is Rocky from 1976. This is directed by John G. Avelston, written and starring Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burgess Meredith, and Carl Weathers. The plot summary: A small-time Philadelphia boxer gets a supremely rare chance to fight the world heavyweight champion in a bout in which he strives to go the distance for his self-respect. And actually, honestly, the plot summary covers exactly the main theme that I'm, that I'm going to be talking about here, which is the motivation behind what, what Rocky's doing. And a lot of what drives me in, in my work ethic too, is, is my own self-respect sense of self-worth. I set a bar for myself I don't, I'm not doing any of this for external factors for the company. Like I mentioned before, yes, sometimes for my coworkers, it really, it is just about, about me. And I think what Rocky, his character in this movie, you know, starts out as like, they call him a total bum. Like he was a has been now he's working for loan sharks. He's given this chance basically just to be a, a pawn in a, in a nice event where people can watch the heavyweight champion sort of beat up on this local hero. And he's, you know, not getting paid very well, but he decides to do this to, prove to himself that he can just stay in the ring. Like his own metric of success is I just want to stay in the ring with this guy. I'm not in this to win this. I'm just, I'm in this to prove to myself that I have some sort of sense of self-worth, which to me is, is the basis of my, my work ethic is just about proving 
to myself, my self-worth, accomplishing the goals that I set, no matter what external goals those you know are put on me. I'm not doing this, doing this for them. That's a big part of it. And then tangentially too, is that at the end of the day, like what he actually wins, because he doesn't actually win the match, he loses and though he stays in the rounds like he wanted to, so he accomplishes his victory, is that he finds a, a, the motivation through love and his relationship with Adrian. And and that is really what drives drives him and, and gives him that sense of accomplishment in the movie. It's more about Rocky finding love and, and falling for Adrian and being with her than it really actually is about the, the boxing match or even the boxing story that that's taking place here. So I'll, uh, well, one quick caveat and then, then I'll curious on your, your thoughts too, that, you know, the Rocky Balboa character is my, my favorite fictional character of any medium of all time plays TV shows, anything like I just, I mm-hmm. absolutely love of Rocky Balboa. I'd actually even grow up on this character. We mentioned in the Arnold Schwarzenegger episode we did, I was an Arnold guy, which means I, I hated Sly Stallone as a kid. I never watched <laughs> any of these movies and I just decided in college to sit down and watch the Rocky movies. And now they're my, you know, one of my favorite franchises and Rocky Balboa is a character that I, I love more than any other fictional character. So I just want to caveat that before getting into get into your thoughts on the film and then we can talk talk more about it. <laughs> so I actually had not watched this the first Rocky actually ever for whatever reason. I just oh, interesting. Was, you'd seen other ones though? I've seen a few other ones. Oh, um, okay. It just I just never made it back to it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things and I know it's such a classic and what have you. And and maybe I sort of shortchanged it for what it might be that oh it's sort of this, you know, rah rah and you come you overcome your deficiencies and then you mm-hmm. run up the the the, <laughs> the stairs the, and yeah. <laughs> exactly and everything yeah. is great and such yeah. and instead this movie is actually so much more complex than what I had given it credit for and of course that's why it's a classic that of mm-hmm. course it has those themes and everything that you just said but and we'll get into the movie a little bit later it's a perfect movie in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's complex and it's a gritty 70s movie. I don't know why I thought it would be otherwise, but but yeah, those themes resonate very strongly. It is a movie about self-doubt and overcoming that in a powerful way, but it doesn't all happen just like that. You know, you Correct. see him go ahead, take a step forward, two steps backward. There are other people that come into his life, the coach, uh, Adrian, and mm-hmm. such. But it doesn't it, it doesn't all happen neatly. This is kind of how life is as well. And this is how work is as well. And I think like you said, you have to be very clear on what are you driven by? What are you motivated by? And I think when people can distill that, they can then be the best versions of themselves, I think. And that's what that is the Rocky story. And mm-hmm. that's what I strive for at work and at life. And it's a hard thing to do, just distilling it down to what is it that you're really driven by? And can you then single-mindedly focus on that? It's very hard to do. Right. And and also too, what I think makes this movie really powerful too, is that it's the it's telling a tale of a, of a boxer, which is you, yes, you have a coach and yes, you know, he can be motivated by external factors like Adrian's love. But at the end of the day, it literally is only him. He's the only person that can do the training that he has to do dedication that he has to do. Like there's obviously there's a famous training montage, you know, he gets up early, he runs in the cold streets, he eats the eggs. Like these are things. Yeah. People can tell you to do it. But at the end of the day, you are responsible for that. You have to hold yourself to that. And then, it, and that is the only way he can 
accomplish his goals because it's just him in the ring with another guy. Now I'm, I'm not a fan of the sport of boxing. I have seen one match in my entire life on pay-per-view once, not my thing, but I love boxing movies because Uh, it is so much about individual self-determination because nobody else can, can do this for you. And I think that is really powerful. And that Rocky finds the motivation to find the dedication and puts that the actual work in, you know, much like on, on spotlight, there's a lot of shoe leather to go in journalism Mm-hmm. To be a boxer, there's so much you have to do mental and physical training mm-hmm. that is repetition, that is not easy, that is hard on your body and your mind and sacrifices of not drinking, no sex, like all the things that he tells them to do. You're, you're dedicating all of that to something very specific. And I just really, it's powerful to me and just reminding myself too, that it's my work ethic and it, it comes down to me. Like no one else can really, mm-hmm. I mean, people can push me, but I'm the one that actually has to take that action and do that dedication and put the hard work in and sometimes it's long nights or weekends working on something I'm passionate about, but it's mm-hmm. just me. It's, it's not, it's not anyone else. And that's mm-hmm. what comes from the accomplishment that you get is that satisfaction of, wow, I, I did this. And at the end, that's what Rocky, you know, a- accomplishes and he's proved it to himself. I mean, there's a, at the end of the match when, you know, he doesn't win, he just lasts the distance. They, you know, Carl Weathers' character, Apollo Creed says, you know, there's not going to be a, a rematch. And he's like, I don't want a rematch. You know, Rocky, mm-hmm. it's, it's, this is it. This it wasn't about winning. It wasn't about the glory mm-hmm. and everything like that. He just wanted to last and he did it. Yeah, it's very powerful. And I think the fact that this was written by Sylvester Stallone, right? Mm-hmm. There's something very powerful about that too, to me. I don't, I'm you not know his story. Fl- you know the story behind it? No, that, I don't know so, this full story. So, yeah, so this it. actually also is incredibly moving and powerful too. Yeah. Is that, uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone was uh, had a you know troubled childhood and things, and he wanted to be an actor, and he was failed actor for many, many years. People were telling him he's over the hill. You know, he's not a young guy anymore, um, but he was in- inspired to write this screenplay of, mm-hmm. of Rocky, and this was like what he wanted to be his his ticket. And he was trying to sell the screenplay around and not getting a lot of success. And it's uh, very, very super poor, even to the point where he had to take his dog and sell his dog in front of a 7-Eleven to get $100 just to be able to, to pay his rent. And this is like his, you know, the, the thing he cared about the most. And then he was actually offered, okay, here's, you know, a couple, you know, $10,000, $20,000. We'll buy your screenplay and we'll find, you know, someone else to play this part, maybe, you know, Burt Reynolds or so. And he's like, no, 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 I want, I have to play this role. Like he knew that even though he was literally like almost homeless, that the most important thing for him was was starring in this movie. And he turned it down. He said, no, even though I just had to sell my dog, I am not going to do this movie unless you let me star in it. And he that was a dedication that he had to getting the vision of what he wanted in his career, even though it was a failed career. Like he had been in some softcore porn movies, like literally nothing for the longest time. And and because of his dedication to saying, I'm going to wait until I get offered this movie so that I can actually star in the movie. All of a sudden, look what happened. And then actually, after he sold the screenplay and with the guarantee to star in the film, he went and bought his dog back. And actually, it's the dog in the film. Butkus, Rocky's dog is his dog that he had to sell in uh, in real life so that whole story is incredibly inspiring to me just about what sylvester stallone he was a has-been he was a bum but he you know worked hard to get what he wanted which is this performance which is just one of the most incredible performances that you know you you know you've ever seen it it really is because this i didn't know about all the details not about the dog but it comes across like it's just so true and and sometimes you know what happens is that some actor or the lead performer in the movie is kind of giving this totally realized just true honest 
performance but the movie around them is not doing that and i mm-hmm. think this is why this movie is so special is that the whole movie is also like that it just feels like you basically travel back and maybe this is what living in philly in that time mm-hmm. would would be like it just feels it's flashy but not in a superficial way that mm-hmm. it was sort of underlined to be flashy it feels flashy and special and or tour or tour driven because it's just so effortless and real and mm-hmm. it's because he's at the center of it but i'm so impressed that everybody else including the director took that same thing and it's just yeah this movie was amazing I mean, inspired maybe perhaps by Sylvester Stallone's drive. I think that brought everyone else to the table to perform at the level that they're at. Because again, I I think you're right. Like all the acting is great. The direction's fantastic. I mean, Carl Weathers as Apollo Creed is, is amazing. And obviously, you know, the, the score, I mean, you can't, uh, you can't discount the Rocky theme. I mean, I, I use that to motivate me. And, and when I'm working on a project or going for a run or something that, that definitely helps my drive and, and, and ethic because I'm inspired by, by what Rocky does, you know. Totally. I will say though, I'd heard that theme before, but I I never really had heard the whole thing, so I had no idea that it actually had lyrics. Lyrics, in it. yeah. So when the lyrics came in, I laughed out loud because it was sort of funny <laughs> at like this super high octave. Na-na, fly, yeah, can I, fly, I was like, oh my gosh, where did yeah. that come from? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's getting strong funny. now. It's like sort of commenting <laughs> on what's going on, but yeah, they're like cheesy motivational it's lyrics. From, cheesy, like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean that that gives it its sort of sweet charm too. I mean, I think. You know, True. there's a what I love about the Rocky character is that he is so um this so is not simple. an intellectual person. Nope, but he's all emotional. Like he's, he's very he's very in touch with emotion. I mean, I love the the scene when he's talking to Adrian's uh brother and his friend about oh, yeah. who Adrian is. Oh, she's got gaps, I've got gaps, and right fill each other's that. gaps. I love that. Beautiful. That is such a moving line that that really moved me. Yeah. Their courtship and their scenes together, the chemistry, the ratty old apartment <laughs> and, you know, the ice hockey ring or the skating Oh, the little ring, date whatever. in the skating ring, yeah. All of that is just so, just so true and human and real and unflashy, but also it becomes flashy and incredible because it's so true. Like all that is just amazing. Uh, and she's great too. Oh like, yeah, Talia Shire is so Such good an anchor for mm-hmm. this movie. Um, yeah, just a yeah. sort of, uh, you know, a put upon sort of sad, sorry woman who gets, finds love in Rocky and that's what, you know, motivates her too as as well. And I also love again at the ending, the last five minutes of the movie after the match is over, and he has he hasn't you know he's lost, but the reporters are just asking him, oh, what you know, all about the match. What do you think about? What were you thinking about? And that's when he starts screaming out Adrian because that was what was motivating him. Um, and if you actually haven't seen the rest of all of them, I think actually the entire franchise and what Sylvester Stallone does with the Rocky character over time and how that character arc evolves all the way into the Creed franchise mm-hmm. is just incredibly powerful interesting moving i mean he uses rocky to not only comment on the state of america in these different decades because the rocky mm-hmm. franchise spanned you know all the way up until i mean the creed 3 just came out this mm-hmm. this past year commenting not only in america but different stages of your life as you see rocky navigating um you know marriage and then loss and old age and looking back on his legacy and his his son i mean there's so many things the in- entire existence of uh, of a person's life is wrapped up in this franchise and that's another reason why i just think the franchise is so powerful because it's not just the same movie over and over again right. the rocky character is evolving so 
I, you know, I would recommend I, sometimes no, it'll I would... be like a long weekend, like Thanksgiving or so. And I'll just put on all the Rockies and just watch them all in a row just because I love spending time with Rocky Balboa. That sounds like a great weekend. I would have to do that at some point. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, also interesting that both of our top choices are basically about hard work. Yeah, you're right. Through, you know, right. which is yep. sort of what it comes down to, I think. That's definitely uh, true. But were there movies that didn't make your list? Uh, yeah, there were. So two other Rocky movies, Rocky Balboa and Rocky Three, also had Scarface, 24-Hour Party People, and the first Michael Mann was a made-for-TV movie called Jericho Mile. Those were, uh, those were mine. What yeah. about you? Yeah, uh, a lot of movies that we've actually covered on the podcast. Uh-huh. I think my actual number one is Devil Wears Prada, but we already oh. covered that in our work uh, episode. Yes, yes. Uh, also, Working Girl, mm. Broadcast News, which might be coming up in a future episode. Oh, maybe spoiler point. alert, maybe? Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, and Karate Kid as well. Oh, man, Karate Kid. Yeah, that's a. Uh, there's something about the uh, movies about athletics, especially when it's a single person, like a boxer or in that sense, a fighter that, yeah, is really inspiring yeah. to me. That, that movie. Uh, is is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, film. and also remember the Titans. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a great film too. So, what do we got coming up next, Karan? In our next episode, and then our next full episode. So, what do we have? Who are we talking about next week? Yeah. So we're talking about the one and only Wes Anderson. Nice. He has an amazing new short, The Life of Henry Sugar, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, that drops on Netflix. And he's also had another amazing movie, which I thought was incredible, Asteroid City, that came out later, early yes. this year. So yes. as listeners might know, we've covered so much of Wes Anderson on this podcast. We both are fans of his work. So yeah, that'll be next. Looking forward to that conversation. Um, and then after that, uh, we're going to go into a slightly darker territory of anxieties. Uh, so we're going to be talking about movies that have shaped our personal anxieties. So looking forward to slash not looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- th- those those films definitely will probably be hard to watch, but hopefully our, our discussion will be entertaining and, and yes. easy for the listeners to listen to. But yeah, the anxieties we're getting into some some, uh, you know, more difficult areas for sure. Yeah. Although I will say, though, that for every filmmaker auteur or not i think as i think about the greatest movies made by the greatest filmmakers usually are about anxiety that's true Uh, yeah i mean that's sort of how it is because that's what fuels people so this Mm -hmm. was a hard one to kind of pin down and just make it about my own anxieties as opposed to not just you know the greatest anxiety movies ever made like right 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 on this podcast exactly All right, so that's our episode. We hope you enjoyed this discussion about work ethics and thought about your own work lives and journeys so far. As always, uh, we are available on all podcasting platforms, including YouTube, where you can find full reviews of the movies that we've covered. And please rate us and review us. And don't forget to subscribe us because all of that really helps listeners find us. Until next time, see you soon. See you soon. Would it help? 